0: Well, you guys can have a seat. Man, it is so good to be with you, and congratulations on your brand new venue. How awesome is this? You guys look great out there. There's something about being in a new space. There's new excitement in the room, and uh, I can't help but as I'm here, just recognize the faithfulness of God, because I remember those moments, Pastor Aaron. I I remember when uh, there was a lot that came against you even to get this This thing started, and you just look around the room and see uh, lives that have been changed. More importantly, you see people that have found family, that have found connection. That's the thought that comes to my mind when I come in here, is that this is family. I know that's one of your core values as a church, a spiritual family, but I just want you to know I feel that way when I come in here. It definitely feels like home, and so thank you for welcoming me, and thank you for letting me be a part of this momentous occasion on your first Sunday in your new venue. I, I was I woke up early this morning, I was praying for you specifically and just asking God, what are some things you wanna say to this church and how are some of the ways that you wanna use me? And the one thing I wanted to, to mention before we get into the message is just recognize that this is a big faith step. When you go into something like this, it does take more money. Uh, just in the week in, week out, there's obviously the more finances to get the thing ready, but this is a big faith step. But I was reminded in Hebrews eleven six that God rewards faith. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. And I'll tell you what, the, the bigger the faith step, the bigger the reward. And I'm telling you, just getting started, you're going to see God do incredible things through your church and through this ministry. And not only are, is that one of the reasons I love your pastors, they're big faith people, but they have an even bigger heart. And, uh, Really, Pastor Aaron and Miss Erica, as I was praying for you, that that's the the word God gave me is just that he's gonna use you to love people into the kingdom. And it's kind of kind of weird to say that. I even kinda of get uncomfortable in moments like this because it's not my normal flow, but he's gonna use you to love people into the kingdom. It's not it's not your your preaching, your preaching's amazing. It's not your systems, you're smart at all that, but it's really your heart for people that God is going to use, and people are not just going to be into the kingdom, but love back into the kingdom, people that have gone away. And so thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for saying yes to God. Thank you for your obedience. Can you just give it up for your pastors and how they love you? It's, uh, this is a, a special place to be. Uh, you may notice there's a, there's a table behind me. Honestly, I just wanted to see how good the team was here. It's like, what can I get them to, to search around? I may use it, I may not, but you know, we're kicking off Passion Week. And uh, Passion Week, it's, it's Palm Sunday. And during Passion Week, what we do is, is we remember Jesus' footsteps to the cross, everything that led up to it. And, and the reason it's a holy week, the reason we remember this week and co- commemorate this week, is because it helps remind us of Jesus' mission. That he came to seek and to save the lost, he he came for people to be united in family, to to that you could have a place with God. And I, I found as a pastor, I've been doing this a number of years now. I found as a pastor, though a lot of us remember the the mission of Jesus, a uh, few of us are acquainted or as well acquainted with the method of Jesus. Uh, what what were the mechanics that he used to get the mission out? And it's interesting to me with. Palm Sunday and Passion Week and all the different imagery that, that we remember. We remember that, you know, the, the palm leaves and the donkey, and we think about the cross or the, the crown of thorns or Easter, we're gonna think about the empty tomb. All this different symbolism and imagery, we sometimes forget that it was actually at a table that Jesus introduced this new covenant. In fact, when you read through scripture, what you see is that most of Jesus' ministry took place at a table. I mean, yes, there, there was miracles that happened. There were multitudes that he impacted. There was a message to proclaim, but the way that message got out was often at a table. That's precisely what we're gonna see in our, our text today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to take a look. And Luke, if you don't know much about it, it's written by, surprise, this guy named Luke. And uh, he he wrote primarily to a Gentile audience. He's writing to really help portray the humanity of Jesus. And, you know, there's different Gospel writers. They had different emphasis in their Gospels, like, you know, Mark and Matthew, well, Matthew, when, when he writes, he writes about Jesus as the promised Messiah. Mark, when he writes, he talks about Jesus as the suffering servant. John, he writes about Jesus as the son of God. But Luke, he writes about Jesus as the son of man. And because he wanted to portray Jesus as the perfect man, he often showed Jesus at a table. In fact, when you read through Luke, it's it's fascinating. What you'll see is that Jesus was, Either going to a table, sitting at a table, or coming from a table. All throughout it. And it's precisely why he got the nickname. People called him a glutton and a drunkard. So we never thought of Jesus that way. But I mean, just think about this for a minute. How much do you have to eat? How much time do you have to spend at a table where people are calling you a glutton? (laughs) Well, this was... Jesus, he he spent time at tables. It's where much of his ministry took place. And in this story we're going to look at, it's a story, a parable about a table that Jesus tells while at a table. Jesus was way into these illustrated sermons. And what's particularly interesting to me in this story is that the table that Jesus is at, because we normally, if you've been around church at all, we kind of have this idea that Jesus hung out with tax collectors prostitutes and sinners. And that's true, he did. But this particular table, Jesus was invited to a meal at the house of a prominent Pharisee. Some of us, that blows our mind because we always thought, like we have this kind of cursory knowledge of scripture, like the Pharisees are the bad people and like Jesus always had conflict with the Pharisees. To be certain, he had conflict with Pharisees, but you might be interested to know three separate times in Luke's gospel, he's sitting at a table at the house of a Pharisee. This is one of those instances. I just like that because, see, the gospel message is for everybody. The gospel is for everyone. It's not just for the down and out. It is for the up and out, too. And wherever you're at, the gospel is for you. So Jesus, he didn't discriminate. He took this message to anybody who would listen, and he's sitting at a table. And when you read through the chapter, he gives four different lessons here. He First, he heals this man. It's a big deal, and he uses it to teach about the— and the love of God, and just as he healed this man, he wanted them to know how how God cares for you. And then from there, he he used the different seats at the table to talk about our posture that we take. And you know, some people they were trying to crowd around and get the place of honor at the table and sit towards the head. And he says, no, yeah, you, you, you need to take a posture of humility. Then he went on to talk about how we serve one another, and he would say that, you know, when you serve, it's not just do you do the right things, but do you have the right heart? You gotta have the, the right motives when you do things. And he was saying all this, and, and he said, if you do the right thing with the, the right motive, there's a reward for that in heaven. Well, one of these guys who was at the table, he kind of wanted to show off, wanted to impress Jesus with his spiritual knowledge, and says, yeah, Jesus. Man, isn't it gonna be awesome When we're in heaven and we're feasting at the table. Well, it was in response to that statement that Jesus tells this story that I want to read to you. It's found in Luke chapter 14. And I brought my Bible just for Pastor Aaron because I usually read off my iPad. But I wanted to look like a real preacher than this is your first first week in this new venue there might be guests here you know i don't, I don't want this, this is a real church so believe the bible in this church luke chapter 14 starting in verse 16 jesus replied he says a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests at the time of the banquet he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited come for everything is now ready but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. He didn't say, Please excuse me. He's like, You get it, right? You, I'm married, I can't come. The, the servant came back, reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered had been done, but there is still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I wanna use this text to talk to you today about a full house, a full house. Now, normally when we think of a full house, we don't think of a table like this. We think of a different kind of table. Um, There's usually like chips and cards. I don't know exactly, Miss Erica told me what's there. I've never actually experienced it before, but at that kind of card table. Um, But I'm not talking about a card table. I I wanna talk about this table and what I love about this passage that we read is right off the bat, you get a picture of God's heart for people. because the first thing I notice is how God has prepared something good that He wants people to experience. Have you, have you noticed that? See, there's a master here. he's been preparing a banquet, and he says, "I want you to go tell the people that it's ready. I've got something prepared for them." and I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, but can I just tell you that God has something good for you? He's got something good prepared for you. Ephesians 2.10 says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so I love how this parable tells God's heart, but you have to understand it also challenges some paradigms. See, the part of this story I want to talk about is the invitation. I want to talk about there's something good God has. He wants people to experience it and he wants his house full. But before I can get there, I got to talk about the warning because there's, there's a warning in this text too. See, Jesus not only shared God's heart, he would challenge people's assumptions and, You could say that whenever Jesus told a parable, he would often turn the tables. He he would flip the script on what people expected because this guy says, Jesus, isn't it gonna be awesome to be in heaven one day feasting? And Jesus is like, yeah, it is gonna be awesome for the people that are there. But not everybody you think is gonna be there is gonna be there. Everybody's been invited, but not everybody has made it. And to really understand this, I first need to under I need to explain a little bit about the mechanics of parties back in the day. Because, you see, you might have listened in the text and thought this is kind of some weird responses. And there's like two invitations that go out. Is this like guy just OCD on the party planning? He really wants people there. What's going on? But let, let me break this down for you. In, in Jesus' time, it would have been customary to have two invitations to go out. In fact, it's not so uncommon even in our day. Like we send out two invitations for for really special events, like weddings. Right? Not uncommon to, to send out to anybody getting married soon here. Anybody? A couple of people. Let's give it up for people getting married soon. That's awesome. <laughs> so, why do you send out two invitations? Well, one, you want people to be there, and, and two, you want to plan appropriately. I mean, to to throw a party for a lot of people costs a lot of money, and the, the worst thing is to underplan. You got more people to show up than, than you prepared for. That's embarrassing. Second worst thing is to overplan, where you've spent a lot of money and it was more than enough, and now a lot's gone to waste because you got a honeymoon that you want to go on eventually. So that's why we're going to take up an offering for the newlyweds here. I'm just kidding. Um, like, I love this church already. No, so, so same thing back in that day with, with the parties. It took a long time to prepare a banquet and you would wanna plan a program. So so they would send a messenger, didn't have the post office, to each house and say, hey, the master, this guy, your friend, he wants to invite you to his house for a party. Can you make it? They would say, yes, I'll be there. Great, we'll tell you when it's ready because they didn't have watches then and it took a long time. So I'm setting that up so you understand that each one of these people in this parable has known well in advance about this party. This is not a surprise to them. But by the time it finally comes to show up, well, they all gave an excuse. Fortunately, that's like a lot of people that I meet. I've been leading the church for almost 12 years now, and I meet people like the guys in the story where, they, they like the idea of following Jesus. They, they, I, I think they genuinely love the things that God can do for them. Unfortunately, they let other things get in the way. And if you look at this parable, like none of these are bad guys and none of these are bad things. It's not like they chose something sinful over being summoned. They just did what is the easiest thing in the world to do, and that's given an excuse. Let's look at it real quick. It says, the first said, I bought a field, I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought five yoke of and on my way to try them out, please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, I can't come. All good things, but good things become bad things when they get in the way of the best things. So, I used to read this and I would think, well, these are probably valid excuses because I was dumb. But now that I'm a little bit wiser, I realize that anybody who would have heard these in Jesus' day, these would have sounded so lame to them. And you can see this too if you just think about it a a, a little deeper. Like, Like, think about this first one. He said, guys, I've bought some land. I have to go inspect it. I can't come. Please excuse me. I I, I just bought this land. I I make sure it's good. Because that's always when you do your due diligence, is after you buy something. (laughs) Has anybody ever bought a house before? You don't just walk in and say, yeah, this looks, looks good. No, there's a process of making sure that you know what you are getting before you buy it. When we bought our building, Pastor Aaron mentioned, we had a year of due diligence just to make sure that everything is as we thought it would be. Somebody would have heard this if thought, this guy, this guy's a fool. Another gave an excuse, I've got five yoke of oxen. And this time oxen was a picture of work. You use them for work. So this guy's saying, man, I've got five. I am really busy. I've got a lot of stuff going. You can even hear it is in his excuse. He says, I'm on my way to go check them out. Now, again, this, the same thing applies. I mean, it's not gonna make a difference whether you check them out now or later. You bought them already. But more than that, this is a banquet. This is a dinner. This is a party. It's in the evening. This is a civilization and time period where there are no streetlights, no flashlights, and you're gonna inspect, you're gonna try them out in the field. Nobody would have done this. One. If you run a business, you know that part of being successful and effective and efficient is knowing the right time for things. You shouldn't be working when you should be doing something else. Nobody's going to be effective at night. You can't see where you're going. You might injure one of your oxen that you just purchased. You might waste your time being in the wrong spot. It's not going to be effective. People who would have heard this guy, this guy is lame. So another said, I can't come because I'm married. And this is the excuse every man uses when he wants to get out of something. I'm just telling you. If you ever invite somebody, and they're like, man, I would, but my wife, you just know he is lying, okay? <laughs> lying through his teeth. But think about this. What does being married have to do with you not going to a party? In fact, uh, so I'm, I'm married, been married for nearly 20 years. My wife, when I've said, hey, would you like to go out tonight? She has never said no, that sounds like a terrible idea. Get me away from these kids. Now I just wanna stay around. No, she always wants to go out. It's a lame excuse. What I'm trying to show you is it's not that they couldn't come, it's that they wouldn't come. They had made up their mind that they had other things that were more important. I don't know, have you ever just wanna tell somebody your excuses are stupid? Just if you've ever wanted, just look at somebody right now, just look them in the eyes, just tell them, Your excuses are stupid. Your excuses are stupid. Well, I'll put it a little bit nicer. Excuses really, they're just lies that we tell ourselves. I know they sound good, but a good excuse doesn't mean it's a good answer. That's what's going on in Jesus' parable. He was talking to a lot of people who loved the idea of following God But when it comes down to actually living it out, just let other things get in the way. Other things take up their attention. I got this business deal, I got work I gotta do, I've got this family event, I've got a tea time, I've got a (laughs) soccer game I have to go to. I've got all this other stuff that's getting in the way. It keeps us from actually following Jesus. I'm not saying that that stuff is bad. But instead of making it to the banquet, they, they make an excuse. The thing that stuck out to me is like two of them, they, they say, please excuse me. And I've got a seven-year-old daughter. She likes to argue, but her reasons are not very good. You know, she, she doesn't have the strategy to really work out a cohesive argument. So when she tries to convince me of something, like she wants me to buy her something, her, this is what she'll do, she'll go, please Pretty please. Like it doesn't have a good reason. It's just please. I wondered how many of us, we we do the same thing. We we try to make our excuses sound pretty. We, We pretty up our reasons instead of owning up our response. So it's not that God is against any of these things that these people listed. It's just that the things of earth can keep us from the things of of heaven. That's what's happening here. None of these are, are bad people, yet they missed out on what they've been invited to. But God is not willing to let what he has prepared go to waste. So he tells his servant, I want you to go out and invite some other people. I want you to make sure that my house is full. And I noticed something on this second invitation. He changes up the orders a little bit. Let me show it to you in verse 21. He says, go out into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. See, the first time he said, go out and tell them that it's ready. The second time it says, go out and bring them in. All of us are called to be bringers. If you're a servant of the master, if you're a son of God, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you're part of this church, God wants you to be a bringer. And there is a shift from the second invite to the first invite, that's, what I want to talk about. It, it really is the difference between, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Hey, why don't you check this out to sit with me? So the difference between you should go yep. and sit with me. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I've noticed a lot of us, what we do, instead of inviting somebody to the table, we tell them about the restaurant. Now, the restaurant, telling somebody about the restaurant is okay. It's not bad. It's just not as good as sit with me. So, like at our church, we we have this phrase we use. We talk about good news is meant to be shared. Good news meant to be shared. What do I mean by that? When you've got good news, you share it. The gospel's good news, of course. But when you have good news, you share it. Hey mom. I passed the test, it's good news. Guess what, I'm getting married, it's good news. She said yes, good news, right? (laughs) um, We bought a house, we're having a baby. Good news is meant to be shared. When you've got good news, you, you share it. When you go to a good restaurant, you tell somebody, you should check it out, it's good. Nothing wrong with sharing good news. But there's a difference between saying, you should go and sit with me. If you can you bring out that, that other table for me? The way most of us, see, the first thing you have to understand, the church is meant to be a table. All throughout church history, we see the church as a picture. Go ahead and set it up for me if you don't mind. Uh, you see the church as a picture of this table from the very early parts of it. This is why I had you do it because I didn't want to look like a fool trying to make it happen. Hey, can we give it up for our, for our help? It's great. It's a good job. Here we go. I'll, I'll lend you a hand. I think this way it goes. There we go. Teamwork makes the dream work. All right. All right. So the way most of us invite people to church, it would be like saying, Kellen, can you get up here? I want you to help me out. Be like saying, hey, you want to go to lunch? Sure. Let's, uh, let, let's go to that one place on the corner. Let's go at uh, 11.15. Sound good? I guess that sounds fine. Great, okay. So we're going to go and uh, go ahead and take a seat right here. You go ahead and you show up. We've set the date. Kellen's over there, and he walked in. I'm like, "Hey, what's up?" And I've got my meal, and I'm good. And I like I've already started. He kind of walks in. It's like I thought. I thought we were supposed to. I was like, "No, just check. It's good. Like you'll enjoy. It's it's good." The way Jesus wants us to do it. to share something together. We're at the table together. This is the difference between, you should go and sit with me. And if you will change the way you invite somebody to church, you should check it out sometime. Hey, come sit with me. It is a completely different experience for the person at the table. All right, can you give it up for Kellen? Thank you, Kellen, for helping me out. So, let me just show you. I noticed something in this text. And why am I talking about all this? I don't think I can put this on the screen. You might not know this, but next week, we're going to throw a big party. Easter is a big party where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior over death, hell, sin, and the grave, how he reigns victorious. It's a big party. The team here, the family here has been preparing. They've been working hard. They've been getting everything ready, and guess what? There has already been an invite that goes out. I think I heard like 100,000 people have been invited. Do you have something you can put up? Not that one, that's ours. That's, we want yours. We want, (laughs) isn't that a great one? That's what we sent out. Uh, This one, this one, this is what we want, yeah. This has gone out. But you know, it's not the first invite that matters. It's the second invite. And you don't understand what's on the other end of an invite. Destiny's changed. Families changed. Family trees. Healed marriages. We, um, we do baptisms at our church every month and we always interview the people as you're being baptized. Time and time again, we say, hey, how did you hear about our church? Someone invited me. Last time we did it, we had a whole family. They kept saying the same person, <laughs> this person, that one person was responsible for an entire Family getting baptized. You don't know what's on the other side of this. And I just want to encourage you to be like the servant on the second time. Say, he said, bring them in. Will you sit with me? I noticed something I'm going to go through real, real quick about the people that invited because there were four types of people the master said to look for and what I noticed about these people understanding Jesus, these are people that you would have normally not looked for people you would have normally not looked for, the crippled, the blind the the lame, the poor so I want to give you four knots to look for first one somebody says, I'm not from here that's your, that's your cue. Hey, will you come sit with me? I know it's so important to have community. I know what it's like to be. I've been in places where I didn't know a lot. Will you come sit with me? Somebody says, "Man, things are not going well, right now." How, how hey, how you doing? Man, not, not well. My mom is sick. Test coming up. Things aren't going so well at work. Things are not well. Man, I, I know what that's like. Will you sit with me? Someone says, I'm not ready. Hey, what's, to catch me up on life. Man, tell you what, my daughter is graduating. I am not ready for this. Will you come sit with me? Here's the best one. You hear somebody is not in church? Come sit with me. He says, go out, go out into the city streets and alleyways. But the servant said, hey, there's still room. So the master said, go out to the roads and country lanes. He says, start close, start with those people close to you. But maybe there's even some people in your life where there's been some distance. You can start close, but don't stop there. My favorite part of this is maybe some of you are listening and you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm the ones that are pretty far from the table. The, the country lanes, the, the roads, in my heart, I'm, I'm distant from God. Can I tell you the great news? Master says, there's room for you at the table you are not too far from God. And this is your invitation. He wants you to experience what he has prepared for you. Can I tell you what he has prepared for you? He has wholeness, he has joy, he has family, he has hope, he has purpose. He wants you to experience what he has prepared for you and no matter how far you might feel right now there's room for you at the table the the challenging part of this story is that nobody gets to the table without an invitation and at the same time you only stay out by your choice I would just like to invite you right now. If, if you are far from God and this is your moment to make a decision, to come close to him, to place your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, could I ask you to pray with me? Scripture says this, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's how you're saved. You, you repent from your sin. You turn to him. It's not magic words. It's not saying the right words. It's a belief in your heart and confession with your mouth. And because this is family here, I think there's something powerful about saying it together. So if that's you, if you're here, you want to make that decision today to trust in Jesus with your, your life, your heart. Could you bow your head for a moment? And would you just lift up your hand? Or if that's you, you want to make a decision to trust in Jesus. They make eye contact with me. Let me see you lift up your hand high. So I don't miss you. I wanna say a prayer. Thank you. Is there anybody else who would say, oh, thank you, I see you. Anybody else who would say, I I wanna place my faith in Jesus. I'm coming back to God. I need a fresh start. I'm giving my life to him today. Thank you. Would you pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize my need for you and I believe in what you did for me. How you died on the cross for my sin and you got up from the grave. Come live in me so that I can live in you. I receive your free gift right now. In Jesus' name, amen.